In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. It's game on in the Republican race for governor in Georgia. I'm David Perdue. I'm running for governor to make sure Stacey Abrams is never governor of Georgia. Welcome to the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Greg Bluestein, your host, with Patricia Murphy, our beloved political insider, and we are two of the political reporters here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. It is now official. An all-time battle is brewing in the race for governor. Former Senator David Perdue says he's taking on Brian Kemp next year. Patricia, this is going to be, what have we said? An all-out war, scorched earth, no, no, no holds barred, take no prisoners, whatever the, the, the metaphor you want to use. It's going to be all that and more, it seems. It's unbelievable. It's hard to wrap your head around it. It's hard to even know which questions to ask sources about it because it's just so unprecedented. It's just so hard to imagine that this is where um, Georgia finds itself with three titans, three of the most powerful people in the state, all in the same race for governor, um, all within the same week or so that we got uh, two of those candidates. And it has just scrambled the situation that it is just to me, it just feels totally unpredictable. We don't know exactly who the voters are going to be, what the voters are going to want, um, and what the issues are going to be, what the what the groundwork is going to look like. But it's going to be just uh, a epic, personal, visceral, um, really contentious battle among those Republicans. We do know that for sure. Hate fest. You know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this this morning, Patricia. We also don't even know who the front runner is. You know, we can't even say f- for certainty that Governor Kemp is the front runner in this race, or that David Perdue is the front runner, because there's so many uh, questions remaining. And as of this taping, we have heard from pr- former President Trump. He has said nice things about David Perdue and bad things about Brian Kemp. None of the bad things he said about Brian Kemp were revolutionary. We've heard all that before. Um, but what he hasn't done quite yet, we still expect it, but he hasn't given a formal endorsement of David Perdue. But we know, we, we have confidence that's coming because he has said in, in the middle of political rallies, David Perdue should run for governor against against Brian Kemp. It sure feels like he's already endorsed him, although, of course, we haven't seen the formal I endorse uh, David Perdue for Senate. But we our understanding is that the, the entire reason that David Perdue is in this race is because of the opening that was has been created by Donald Trump um, and then the explicit encouragement of Donald Trump to David Perdue to woo him both directly and indirectly to get into this race all as a part of this just personal grudge match that Donald Trump has against Brian. Brian Kemp, 
for Brian Kemp's refusal to um, really only his refusal to go along with Donald Trump in the 2020 election um, kind of rehash. Um, It's the only difference that we really know of between these two candidates. Um, There's not a lot of policy differences, although a few have bubbled up in the last couple of hours. Um, But it's just uh, it is. it's such an unusual race. It's hard to know exactly what direction it's going. Um, but talking to advisors on both sides, it is it is amazing to me how incredibly better it has gotten within just a few hours. Yeah, that that's for sure. And you know, I, I was skeptical about David Perdue running for a long time. I think you were skeptical about him running for a long time. My sentiment changed last Wednesday after Stacey Abrams got in the race and I started getting clearer indications from people close to David Perdue that he was going to pull the trigger and, and run. And what he said all along, um, even when we first reported that he was thinking about a run way back, I think it was in September, October, uh, it was weeks ago, um, was that he all, he, if he runs, it's because he feels like he's the only Republican in Georgia who can beat Stacey Abrams, even though he's competing against the only Re- Republican in Georgia who has beat Stacey Abrams. Well, and also David Perdue was coming fresh off of a loss uh, just 10 months ago. So one of these men has won his most recent election and the other one has not. Um, but it certainly is accurate that Brian Kemp has been weakened in the Republican base. And when you and I have been covering um, all of the Republican events over the last 18 months, it's very clear that the energy among the activists and the GOP base is with Donald Trump. And uh, ever since the 2020 election, it's been very obvious that uh, Republican voters, especially those far right activist voters, don't think that the election was fair and square. And they agree with Donald Trump. And now they're going to agree with David Perdue um, that Brian Kemp didn't do enough to fight for Republicans in that race. Um, Despite all of our, um, you know, all of our reporting that shows otherwise. Um, But uh, there, there was an opening for a very strong candidate to get in here. And it turns out um, that David Perdue is that uh, strong candidate. It's funny because in, in past election cycles, we've seen dividing lines like religious liberty, gun rights, you know, how far would you go to expand the Second Amendment protections, those types of things. And in this election, you're right. I mean, the only the only real dividing line between those two candidates um, is their 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 perceived loyalty to, to, to the former president in that we heard from, from, from former Senator Perdue when he made his announcement on social media video on Sunday – the first 45 seconds, he goes right after his biggest competition, not Brian Kemp is, is your hint. Make no mistake, Abrams will smile, lie, and cheat to transform Georgia into her radical vision of a state that would look more like California or New York. So Patricia, I mean, these are that, that's a trope we've heard very, very often in Republican politics in Georgia and elsewhere is that, you know, outsider liberal forces are trying to turn Georgia into something it's not, turn it into another California or New York. Um, So that is a tried and true playbook. And really, we could go back to 2014 and see some of the same rhetoric from, from David Perdue when he was running against Michelle Nunn. Well, that's exactly right. Um, You know, it doesn't quite square up with where the state actually is when you start to think about who general election voters are going to be in 2022. I mean, even though the message has been the same since 2014, the state itself has been getting much more diverse. Uh, The electorate has been getting younger. Um, It's become more and more favorable just a bit at a time 
election by election more favorable to Democrats. Um, but that message we heard from David Perdue, um, that is not targeted at your suburban mom <laughs> looking to hear, um, uh, you know, an inspiring message. That is just a base voting uh, turnout uh, message to say uh, Stacey Abrams is scary um, and I'm the only one who can save you from scary Stacey Abrams. And that's what this will be, right? It's, it's going to be a base turnout primary. The worry about the general election later. In the meantime, these two are going to pummel each other left and right. And we heard a hint of that when Purdue teed off on the governor from his very own party. To fight back, we simply have to be united. Unfortunately, today, we're divided, and Brian Kemp and Brad Raffensperger are to blame. Look, I like Brian. This isn't personal. It's simple. He has failed all of us and cannot win in November. Instead of protecting our elections, he caved to Abrams and cost us two Senate seats, the Senate majority, and gave Joe Biden free reign. Think about how different it would be today if Kemp had fought Abrams first instead of fighting Trump. Kemp caved before the election, and the country is paying the price today. It's time for a change. If our governor was ever going to fight for us, wouldn't he have done it already? Whew. Patricia, that to me was, was was the most gutting stuff we've heard because he is saying that that Brian Kemp is responsible for his own, for, for David Perdue's Senate runoff, runoff loss where we know, because we lived through it, <laughs> you know, if you can blame anyone, in part at least, it was the former president who kept on telling people it was a rigged election and then to go out and vote <laughs> in what he said was a flawed election. Yeah, it, well, it just is such a, it's just a demonstration of how um, how slightly nonsensical this argument is um, to blame Brian Kemp for losing the two Senate seats. And that's really the first time I've heard Brian Kemp blamed for the Senate losses. I have heard him blamed plenty of time for the White House loss. Um, but I've not heard him blame, blamed before for David Perdue losing and Kelly Loeffler losing um, in this kind of context here. Um, but it really isn't about the facts and the details and accuracy. It really comes down to you are with Donald Trump or you're against Donald Trump on this particular question of the election. And I think that that's going to be really the defining line up and down the, battle, the ballot um, for a number of races, not just the governor's race. That is, that's going to be the question for Republican primary voters and the Secretary of State's race with Jody Heiss and the lieutenant governor's race um, between Burt Jones and Butch Miller. Um, and then right on down the line, um, it really is starting to feel like um, the only question here, the way to define the Republican Party in Georgia after this is either going to be you were with Trump or you were against Trump. And how did that turn out? We, we just don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, let's take a little deeper into David Perdue's allegation that Kemp caved to Abrams and, and the Democrats, because there's two things here at play. He doesn't say which, what exactly the caving is, and, and we'll, we'll learn more about that over the next few days. But Republicans, including Trump, were mad that Governor Kemp didn't call a special session to overturn the election outcome. Um, that, Governor Kemp said, would have led to endless litigation, would have distracted from the Senate runoffs, would have caused all sorts of security concerns, would have turned the, the state capitol into an armed camp. I mean, it would have been uh, uh, it would have been a mess. You know, I, I mean, it, it, would have, it would have turned the capitol into a media circus and made put Georgia in rarefied air right there as the only state in the nation that was, that was looking to invalidate 
millions of votes uh, through through a legislative process. But there's another part too that he could have been referring to, and that is the settlement between the Secretary of State's office and the Democratic Party back in March. That uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020, they required instructions for election workers to double check with their peers before rejecting ballots because of potential signature mismatches. And it also required election officials to promptly contact voters whose ballots were rejected. This settlement agreement became uh, sort of a fuel fodder for Republicans upset about the defeat, uh, blaming the settlement um, on, on, on expanded Democratic access to the ballots. And uh, we have to say here that, yes, while Secretary of State Raffensperger was involved, Brian Kemp wasn't involved at all. And, and frankly, neither was Stacey Abrams. I mean, it was the Democratic Party of Georgia that, that brokered this. So uh, I, I think that we're going to hear a lot about this over the next few months. And we just want to make it clear the nuances of this debate. It, it goes more than just saying Kemp caved because we don't have any evidence um, that, that he did, quote unquote, cave in to, to anyone on this election matter. Well, and it gets back to, um, we hear from Republican activists a lot um, about the consent decree. If people are hearing about the consent decree, that's what um, they're hearing about is that that agreement that Secretary Raffensperger signed um, that in uh, Republicans' opinions made it uh, too hard to throw out votes uh, based on um, a Mm. number of criteria. Um, It's a very, very technical question. You'd have to go back and really get into the weeds to decide if you think that was the right decision or the wrong decision. Um, But again, it really gets back to the underlying issue here. This is not really about the facts. This is about Donald Trump and Donald Trump being angry with Brian Kemp um, that he didn't win the election. Um, And it is not Brian Kemp's fault that David, that uh, Donald Trump didn't win the election in the United States. Um, But it really does seem to um, be very clear that uh, Donald Trump blames Brian Kemp for that um, among a handful of other people and that this race in Donald Trump's opinion, is about that. Um, now we're going to hear more from David Perdue that it's about more than that. Um, but for uh, Donald Trump, that's the animating issue. And then I think um, for uh, Republican voters, um, that will be the animating issue for some of them. We just don't know where Republican voters are going to end up in this particular race. Whose side would they be on here? Um, But they've got a really difficult choice ahead of them because there's not much difference between Brian Kemp and David Perdue on the issues. Um, And then um, elected officials in Georgia have a really tough choice ahead of them. If If you're a Republican and you're up for election in 2022, what exactly do you do if you are supportive of Brian Kemp? But you do not want a tweet in, at midnight coming out about you, or a statement rather, because he doesn't have Twitter anymore. You just don't want Do- Donald Trump to have your have your number and come after you um, before your election. So it puts um, uh, allies of even Brian Kemp um, in a really tough spot here because Donald Trump is so very powerful among the base here in the state. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. One of the many advantages you get as a subscriber to the AJC is the Jolt newsletter. Patricia, myself, and Tia Mitchell, our Washington correspondent, compile all the stories and nuggets we get on a daily basis to provide you with the most complete political tip sheet in Atlanta. Patricia, we're already thinking about what's going to be on Tuesday's Jolt. Uh, One of the things that we can expect is we're going to poll all the statewide candidate, Republican candidates, and see if they are indeed taking sides in the Georgia governor's race. And I suspect many of them will stay on the sidelines. Yes, I suspect many of them are not going to be answering their phones tonight when we are polling them. That's that's a pretty safe bet. Um, Also, uh, in the jolt are going to be a lot of uh, details that you won't get anywhere else. They don't actually show up uh, frequently um, in print in the AJC. They certainly don't show up um, in other newsletters. It's a lot of exclusive jolt content, uh, which we love to bring our readers and hear from them as well, what they like and what they don't like. Well, Patricia, uh, one thing that we've also explored in the Jolt is how Governor Brian Kemp's team is not taking this threat from Purdue lying down long before he got in the race. They've been warning that it's going to be a brawl. And this is what the governor said just a few days ago. Well, look, all I know is what Senator Purdue's told me. Uh, I hope he'll be a man of his word. But again, that's not anything I can control. Now, Patricia, when the governor says a man of his word, this, this, is, this is freighted with history. Because as recently as March of this year, David Perdue endorsed Governor Kemp for his reelection bid. You know, he said he said over the years how great of a conservative record that the governor has p- promoted, and and he supported him. He's joined him on the campaign trail. They've campaigned for each other. Um, these are these are not two you know lifelong adversaries by any means. And to add to that, David Perdue's first cousin, Sonny Perdue was perhaps Brian Kemp's biggest political benefactor of anyone, right? I mean, uh, supported him in his 2002 Senate, state Senate run, backed him in his agricultural commissioner bid a couple years later, appointed him as secretary of state in 2010, giving him a clear advantage in a muddled field for that open seat, uh, giving him the incumbency status. Um, and then, you know, working with David Perdue in tandem in 2018 to secure Donald Trump's endorsement. Donald Trump was the one who said he credited the Purdue cousins for for convincing him to endorse Brian Kemp in 2018. So um, these two have a, a history of, of of coziness that is now shattered. And as you can hear from 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 the governor, he is not happy about it at all. He 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 sees this as an act of betrayal. Yes, and I think you. I think probably anyone could see it as an act of betrayal if you really felt like it because uh, David Perdue told Brian Kemp and told Marty Kemp, as the Kemp team will tell you, um, that he uh, it was supporting the governor um, in his reelection bid. And so this is um, a real about face on that. Um, but I think they're also, um, uh, after uh, Senator Perdue lost and Kelly Loeffler lost, there was an enormous amount of finger pointing among Republicans in the state 
about exactly whose fault was that. Was it the fault of uh, Governor Kemp for appointing Kelly Loeffler because she uh, might not have been the strongest candidate? Was she not conservative enough to not draw a conservative challenger like Doug Collins? Was it Doug Collins' fault? Um, Just tons of finger pointing. And so I think um, we can go back to the very kind words that uh, David Perdue had to say about Brian Kemp um, in 2020. And you fast forward a year and um, it's certainly felt like uh, those those uh, rela- that relationship was fraying a little bit. Um, but he certainly still, uh, Purdue did introduce Brian Kemp at the Republican convention um, and was continuing to signal his support for Brian Kemp. And so um, this has come as just enormously personal to the Kemp team. Um, and th- But the Purdue team will say, listen, he's not going to win. That's the reality. Someone needs to step in who can win. Um, and so it's uh, that's just where that's where it's ended up with these two. They're making this electability argument that you don't often hear. Now, let you know you hinted at this earlier, but Purdue does have some policy proposals that go a little bit beyond uh, loyalty to Trump. Let's listen to them. My bold vision for our state is very simple: completely eliminate the state income tax. It's time. Make our cities and states safe again. Take charge of our schools. Put parents in charge, not the woke left. Fight Biden's overreaching mandates like Florida's doing instead of caving to liberals in the city. And let me be very clear. Over my dead body, will we ever give Stacey Abrams control of our elections again? Politicians will say these common sense conservative reforms can't be done. Well, career politicians really can't do. But together we can't. Okay, Patricia. Well, first of all, the over my dead body part raised some eyebrows among among Democrats and those who are still, you know, uh, recovering from the January 6th attacks, right? I mean, in the violence and politics that we saw during the insurrection. Um, so there was that. But also among policies, when he said, I want to end the income tax, eliminate the income tax of Georgia, that generates about $14 billion a year. So this is not some simple, hey, we can cover this with, 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 uh, you know, with our reserves or anything like that. This is a $14 billion um, revenue generator. And even cutting it, even cutting it by a percent, um, is a very drastic and, and hard political change. Uh, one that, that many other governors, Democrats and Republicans have tried to avoid um, over the last few years, a few uh, decades, I should say. And when you hear a, a prominent contender for higher office say that they want to eliminate the the um, the income tax that begs the question: Well, how are you going to replace it, or what are you going to cut? And we don't, we just don't know that, that those answers yet. Well, that's exactly right. Um, David Perdue, I think, is faced with a situation where he's going to need to layer on at least a few policy differences with Brian Kemp um, in order to have something to talk about besides the 2020 election, um, which really is the animating force behind Donald Trump trying to get him into this race. So the question is, well, what's so different about David Perdue and Brian Kemp? There are very few places to get to the right of Brian Kemp in reality. Um, He signed a six-week abortion ban. He has advocated for constitutional carry um, for uh, people, for Second Amendment supporters. Um, He has, uh, he's just about as far right as you can get on 
most issues. He opened up Georgia before Florida opened up. So um, there's just not much to quarrel with among conservatives and Brian Kemp. So you can pull out um, the state income tax, uh, but it does have the small problem that it's about half of the state's revenue. Um, (laughs) And so there's just a lack of reality. It's a lack of seriousness in that policy proposal. But there are very few voters who are going to get out their pencils and dig through the state budget um, to really think deeply about that. And then even then, it almost feels like a little bit of hyperbole to say, well, at least I would cut taxes. You know, there has been uh, some, some, a few complaints on the right uh, that if we're having such a great economy, why aren't we having tax cuts to go along with mm-hmm. it? So I think there's a little bit of wiggle room there on the right uh, for David Perdue. Um, but, you know, in that um, in that announcement video, um, we didn't hear any specific complaints about Brian Kemp's policy record um, other than uh, failing to fight against Stacey Abrams. Everything else Republicans have been quite pleased with, frankly. Um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see what else he can find to layer on from a conservative perspective that Brian Kemp hasn't already said. Yeah, and Patricia, you mentioned another name, Stacey Abrams. We've, we've hardly mentioned her this, um, even though she's come up a few times. We've hardly really talked about her this podcast, and you know, and, and that's probably to her advantage, right? I mean, you know, you're going to have the next six, seven months of Republicans pummeling each other, of you know, basically a reprise of the Doug Collins Kelly Leffler Senate race, with both candidates going after each other, finding any issue to to attack, and meanwhile. There, there's Stacey Abrams with consolidated Democratic support, you know, much like Raphael Warnock had for most of last year, you know, getting to sort of stay above the fray and saying, hey, both, you know, her statement was both candidates have their issues. Um, both candidates would be bad for Georgia. Here I am advocating for expanded Medicaid. I'm for more health care access. I'm for more support for rural hospitals, and I'm for more education funding. And those are all issues that in AJC polls, time and again, show a majority of voters support. So these aren't these aren't liberal issues, even if she's going to be a liberal candidate. These are issues that she's focusing early on her campaign that appeal to a broad base of, of voters. And, and the Democrats I've talked to, and I'm sure you've talked to, reacted um, with the news of David Perdue's entrance with a mix of bewilderment, <laughs> And excitement, you know, they were, is this really happening? Almost as if, you know, pinching themselves that Republicans will spend the next six months in a bitter, ugly, costly, fractious battle while Stacey Abrams gets to continue to consolidate support and and, and, and lay the groundwork for the general election. Yeah, that's exactly right. I keep talking to activists on both sides that this is some sort of suspended reality state. And Republicans are saying, when am I going to wake up from this nightmare? And uh, uh, Democrats are like, don't pinch pinch me if I'm dreaming, because this is amazing. Um, You know, a few uh, structural differences. Uh, Republicans will have a lot more time to get their act back together um, after their primary. Um, They'll have six months instead of nine weeks. That will be a lot of time to come back around and start to focus on Stacey Abrams. Um, But in the meantime, just think about the money that's going to be spent. And this is money being currently raised from Republican donors who probably have given to both of these men in the past. What What does a Republican donor do if they have given money to Brian Kemp? And then do you give money to David Perdue to spend it against Brian Kemp to counter the money that you just gave to Brian Kemp. It's just so strange. Um, it's a really 
it's just an incredibly difficult situation for a lot of these candidates. Um, but for Democrats, they just couldn't be happier than to be able to just sit back, relax, and watch the show. And you have to kind of throw other candidates in there who are benefiting. I'm going to put Herschel Walker at the top of that list um, because Herschel Walker, um, I think, has uh, not had a lot of scrutiny so far. Um, He's not had a lot of uh, uh, challenging interviews so far. He's not been pressed on details so far. And with um, hasn't given the AJC interview so far. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So with this epic race happening on the governor's ticket. Um, it really, there's just only so many reporters, there's only so much newsprint, there's only so much radio and TV time to dedicate to Georgia politics. And it, it does give other candidates who are not either David Perdue or Brian Kemp, it does give them a little bit of cover um, from uh, from vetting and scrutiny that they might not otherwise have had. Well, Patricia, that is the beauty of the Politically Georgia podcast, because we do have the time and resources <laughs> to go in depth about all of Georgia's biggest political news. If you missed it last week, our AJC podcast network has been popping out some terrific shows. On this feed, you have our take on Stacey Abrams getting into this race, our city hall team of J.D. Capilouto and Will Nobles. Look at how Andre Dickens managed to come from behind to become Atlanta's next mayor. There's more. You've also got memories of the pink pig and why that's come to an end on Access Atlanta. In sports, we have D-Led breaking down another Falcons loss to Tom Brady. On the Bowtie Chronicles, Doug Roberson has Atlanta United's offseason plans in Southern Fried Soccer. And Jay Black, our wonderful producer, joins Gabe Burns to dig into how long baseball's lockout could last on the Braves Report. Patricia? Thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can always rate, give us feedback, give us reviews, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. We always love hearing from you and accounting for that in our plans. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.